I am the next-gen pastor here, and I'm honored and privileged to be here with you today. Pastor Randy asked that I share. And so when I found out it was Valentine's weekend, I was like, all right, Valentine's weekend. we got to do something fun with this. So let me just tell you, we have a children's ministry full of the most perfect, hysterically beautiful children. Okay? Um, we also have a lot that talk a lot. Okay? And so I... <laughs> Hello. I, I went and I picked some of my kids that are very talkative, that just say whatever. And I got permission from their mom and dad to put a camera in front of their face. And so it was really funny because as I was walking this little herd, which I should have thought about this before and did it one at a time, but because they were all together, they played off of each other. And it was really weird. And so as we were going to the studio, they're just, bah, 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 and then they get behind the camera and then they just froze. And then weird stuff started happening. But I was like, oh. And then on our way back to class, then they're talking again. And I'm like, all right. But we did get some really cute, funny perspective on what love is from Lone Star Kids. Y'all check this out. Okay, are you ready? One, two, three, go. What does it mean to love somebody? Oh, you hug. Thanks, Wade. When somebody loves somebody else, how do they show that they love somebody else? Kiss them. They kiss. <laughs> how do you how do you show somebody that you love them? By um, being kind to them. That's a great answer. How would you show somebody that you love them? Well, if I have food and I have a sheet, I would go outside, go somewhere that's really nice. Like like where? Like really uh, pretty. Okay. Like on a mountain in West Texas. Okay, tell me what you would do. Uh, set up a picnic. That's very romantic. Yeah. Have you thought this one out? Yep. Okay. Skimmer-a-rink-a-dinky-dink, skimmer a rinky doo I love you. Do people love you? Well, my sister does. I love her so much that I squeeze her. Sometimes I don't, but most of the times I do. Do you guys love your sisters? Mm-hmm. Yes. How do you show them that you love them? Do you share your toys? I share my toys with Mimi. You do? Tell me some things that you love in life. What are some things that you love? Uh, I love my mom. I love your mom, too. She's pretty special. And my dad. And your dad. And my brother. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. My grandma. You love your grandma? My cousin. Okay, that's a good thing and to my love. my friends. Your friends? Uh-huh. Am I your friend? Uh-huh. Do you love me? Yes. I love you, too. I love you in the morning and in the afternoon. I love you in the evening and underneath the moon. How do you know if a girl likes a boy? Because they ask them to marry him. So if a girl likes a boy, she just walks up and says, Hey, will you marry me? Yes. Do you think you're ever going to get married? Yes. You do. Do you have a girlfriend? Yeah. Okay. It's Charlotte. Okay. What if you don't end up marrying Charlotte? What do you want your wife to be like? Have pink hair. Pink hair? Yeah. That's kind of cool. Do you know anybody with pink hair? Uh, no. 
But you're going to find somebody with pink hair. Yeah. Okay, I like it. I like it. Does she have to be a cowgirl? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So a pink-haired cowgirl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you grow up, are you going to get married? No. No, yeah, because no way, right? Because Daddy says no way, right? Yeah. When you get married, what kind of, what what do you want your wife to be like? Waiting and harvesting to get food. You want your wife to, you want your wife to grain and harvest food. Okay. All right. So do you plan on living out like way far in the country? No, I'm just always going to live in a rainbow camper. Oh, <laughs> what do you do on a date? You could, you could make shadow puppets in the night when you're camping. That sounds like a fantastic date. What is the worst place to take a date? McDonald's. McDonald's. If you so if you were going on a date and you would not take him to McDonald's. I would take him uh, to Saltgrass. Salt oh, okay. So you're going way up. How long do you have to date a person before you can take him to McDonald's? About twenty years. So once you've been together for twenty years, you can just say, Look, I'm done spending big money on you. We're going to McDonald's. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with all the money I spent on you, all, I only have, I could only order off the dollar menu. <laughs> That's <what I> mean. <laughs> and how will your wife show you that she loves you? By well, kissing me. Oh. Mom and Dad do that all the time. Okay. <laughs> oh, skimma rink a dinky dink, skimma rink a doo. I love you. I love your mommy and daddy. What about brother and sister? I love you, Nicholas. And? I love you, Lily. Oh. And what about Jesus? <laughs> Say that again. He didn't hear you. I love you, Jesus. Oh, that's so good. Can you say bye? <laughs> yeah. What was, okay, so what was so funny <laughs> to me was that all these little boys declared Charlotte as their boyfriend or as their girlfriend, and they didn't seem to care that they were all dating the same five-year-old. <laughs> they were like, this works, you know? And I, what I, what's so funny to me about that is I know Charlotte's family really well. Charlotte's daddy, Nate, is a um, Houston fireman, and so he's not some weak little fragile flower, right? And she's this cute little girl, but she also has four older, strong, very athletic brothers. So these little boys thinking that this is a good idea is very interesting to me. But then I started thinking about it. Even if some boy, when Charlotte grows up, and I told her she's not allowed to date till she's 40, and she said, okay, so we're on the same page. But when Charlotte grows up and she starts, somebody decides to date her. They, and they make it through Nate, and they make it through those four brothers. They gotta make it through Charlotte. Because Charlotte is scrappy. Um, I asked her mom permission to tell you all this because I just think it's the funniest thing in the world. They have a duck that was missing for three days. She had it hidden in her drawer of her dresser. <laughs> and I said, I'm, I'm, last year when Montgomery and Lake Creek played each other and we were at Sam Houston, we were there and she's telling me about this game in baseball and her brother's playing and she's telling me all about this duck in her drawer. And I said, Charlotte, you hid it in your drawer? She said, P.A., it didn't die.
Well, that's good to know. So I think if anybody's brave enough, they can handle that. They can handle anything, right? But then Corey, the little boy, the little boy talked about salt grass. Y'all, I asked him, can you tell the difference between somebody who's dating and somebody who's married on a date? He said, yeah. I was like, tell me. He said, well, <laughs> and he ain't wrong, okay? He said that a woman on a date, she just eats a little bit of food. <laughs> and I said, well, because she stops on the way and eats before she gets there. Just fun fact for you, buddy. He said, but when she gets married, she eats the whole plate. <laughs> and I said, why? I said, why do you, I love my job. I said, why do you think that is? And he said, because she don't want him to know she's a hog. <laughs> okay, all right. So we had, we had so much fun with that. There was a lot of things that were recorded that we cannot put on camera because we want parents to continue to come back to church. So, but in, in thinking about Valentine's and love and all that, and I started thinking about us and how often we think we know about love. Whether you've been married for 50 years or you've been stalking the same person on social media for two weeks, you've got it figured out. We think we know what we want. We think we know what we're supposed to do. And we have this idea, and I'm not saying that you don't. I'm not saying that we don't understand love. But I will say that if we don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, and if we are not seeking to understand his character, then I dare to say that it's hard to really understand love in depth. And you say, well, that's not necessarily true. Okay, well, stick with me today. We're going to talk about that, all right? I want to look at love today from a little bit of a different angle. Love started when God created us in his image. In Genesis 1, it said he created man in his image, and then he plucked them in a garden that was perfect. And he walked with them in the cool of the day. And the Bible is so clear about this beautiful love that God had with man, but then man fell. God told them what not to do, and man did it anyway. And God, instead of just saying, look, there's two of you, I can start over, zap, boom. He comes down and he sacrifices an animal and he makes clothing for this couple so that they did not have to be ashamed. And then he removes them from the garden, but he continued to stay with him. Like if you get nothing else from this today, I want you to get this. God never will leave you. He's always with you. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter where you fail. It doesn't matter what your past looks like. He is always with you. God never turned his back on his people, but his people, us, we do turn our back on God quite a bit. And so in this, in this process, you've got the ups and downs and the stories of all of these, his children getting stuck in slavery in Egypt. And then it brings us to where we're going to camp today in Exodus chapter 20. We're going to look at the Ten Commandments. And I know you're probably like, what? Huh? Ten Commandments. You're talking about love? You're talking about Ten Commandments? How's that work? Okay. I'm glad you asked. If you'll stick with me on this, we're going we're gonna to look at this from a different perspective. Now, for us, the Ten Commandments start Exodus 20, verse 3. But we're going to take two steps back and look at those first two verses today. So Exodus 20, verses 1 and 2, it says... Then God gave the people all these instructions. Verse 2. I am the Lord your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. This is super important um, because we see this as a precursor. 
Like this is a setup for the Ten Commandments. But the Jews see this as part of the actual commandment. Why? Because you've got God talking to his people. And he says, I'm going to tell you something right now. You've come out of a place, you've been in Egypt, where they've worshipped many, many gods. They've done all kinds of things. But since I, you called on me, and I answered you, and I set you free from that, I want you to first understand, I am the Lord your God. I will not be ignored. I will not be dismissed. Look at me. This is where we start. And I think that we have to look at that as going, God saying, hey, I'm not forcing myself on you. But if you want to partake in this with me, first you have to recognize that I'm him. I'm him. There's not others. I'm not partially him. It's not me plus. It's me. And so he says this. And then the Jews believe, this is super fascinating. And I would geek out on you if I had time, but I don't. As I've studied this, this whole thing about the Ten Commandments over the last forever, they believe that there's three layers to the Ten Commandments, which is super incredibly fascinating. And I don't have time to go on that today. I encourage you to study it out for yourself. But I'll be honest with you. Before I started studying this, if you would have said, Amber, what is the Ten Commandments to you? I mean, three months ago. Three months ago, you'd have said, Amber, what's the Ten Commandments? I would have said, well, it's ten rules God gave his feral children because he couldn't keep them in check. <laughs> the end. And if you're honest, that's what we all probably think. It's like rules. It's these ten rules. It's like do's and don'ts. And it's, it's the basic foundation of what you're not supposed to do and what you're supposed to do as a follower of Jesus. That is true, but that's not the complete truth. The reality is that there's so much more to this. God writing these clear boundaries and expectations was God's commitment to say, I'm here. I'm present. I'm committed to you. But I need you to be committed to me too. And if we're going to do this together, I need you to understand what this looks like. This is all about love. This is all about us. Now, many Jewish scholars in my study of this believe that the Ten Commandments were more like wedding vows, which I've been to a lot of weddings and I've heard some weird vows. I've never heard them say, okay, now we're going to read the Ten Commandments to each other. We'd be like, what's going on? But I want to look at the scene of what's happening here. Okay, so let's, let's back up. They are at Mount Sinai. So in Exodus 19, all of these Jewish children and Moses are at Mount Sinai. And if you grew up in Sunday school, you may remember the picture of the mountain and there is a cloud covering the mountain. The Bible says that there is a pillar of clouds over the mountain. Well, in Jewish culture, when you get married, and I'm going to mess this word up, help me, Pastor Rob, it's a hoopah. Did I say it right? Say it. <laughs> it's a hoopah. A hoopah. It's, anyway, it's this, it's this canopy over where, where the bride and the groom walk in. You can, and if you're caught up in how I said it, just you know what I'm talking about, okay? And by the way, you can go on um, YouTube and Google how to say different words, and there's something for I've listened to four different pronunciations of that word, and I still think I sound like it, and everybody's saying I don't. So anyway, there's this cloud, this pillow of clouds billowing over this mountain where God is meeting his people. Much like the wedding ceremony. Then in Exodus 20, and again in Exodus 34, God writes out on stone tablets the commandments or the wedding vows. And then in Exodus 25, he calls them to make a sanctuary for him, a place for consummation 
a covenant with his people. All right? So let's pause right there. Because you still may be going like, I'm still not following, and that's okay. Stick with me. When we look at the Bible and the message of the Bible as a whole, when we look at God and his people, what is the theme of the Bible? You can talk. Love. Love. The overall theme is love. Everything supports love. Not a trick question. Love. But I've got one more question for you. What has to be present for love to be real? Think, think on that for a minute. What has to be present for love to be real? Not for feelings, not for butterflies, not for that middle school, I saw him and he's the one. For real love to be present, what has to be present? Respect. Hear me out on this. Respect leads to love. But respect is not love. You can respect others without loving them, but you cannot truly love someone without respecting them. And this is where we get ourselves in trouble, with other people, with God. We've said this phrase before, I'm sure all of us, I love them, but I don't like them. And that can mean a whole lot of things, right? But it very well could mean I don't respect that person. And I'm not talking about the respect like you admire what they've accomplished, you admire where they stand, you admire who their family is. I'm talking about the recognition of human dignity. Looking back at the Ten Commandments, one of the basic ones, do not kill. I understand there's wars, I understand, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking when it says do not kill, it's talking about one person looking at another person and thinking... My life would be better if you're not here. Whatever you're doing, how you're acting, whatever, is an inconvenience to me. Now, don't be all holy on me this morning. We've all, somewhere in your life, had the thought, Lord, just take them home. Life would be so much easier. (laughs) And if you haven't had that thought, well, aren't you special? (laughs) (laughs) We've had these thoughts. It's like, oh, this person, if they would just get out of the way, do you know what I could do for God? Do you know what I, my, how easy my life would be? Do you know how much better my family would be? And we began to look, hear me on this, we begin to look at people as if we're valued more than they are because they are in the way of us. And so when it comes to respect, it's about human dignity, recognizing that if what God said in Genesis 1 still applies, that he created man in his image, that means Every person you come in contact with, different political views, they identify differently, they're awful mean people, they still carry the image of God. So to know that is one thing, to respect that and recognize we might not agree ever, and you may never turn your life to God But because God created you just like he created me, it is my job to not just love who he created, but respect that there is part of his image in you, whether you get it or not. So let's really think about this for a minute. There is real love, and then there is love without respect. And we're going to call that today love's imposter. Okay, just track with me here. What does it look like to love God 
but not respect him. I'm like, think about that for a minute. I'll tell you what it looks like. It looks like idolatry. It's, I don't want to go to hell. So will you save me? I'm sick. Will you heal me? I keep doing things I shouldn't do. Will you step in and fix it? Can you for me, 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 me? I want what you can do for me, even though I don't really care who you are. And I really am not taking into account what you want from me. I just want what you've got for me, not what you want from me. It is love without respect. What does friendship look like when you have love and you don't have respect? It's one-sided. We've all been in a friendship like this. It's one-sided. It's selfish. It's shallow. It's draining. And oftentimes, it's painful. Listen, most of y'all in here, you're grown, so I'm going to tell you something that you should have figured this out a long time ago. There's a word. It's the same in English as it is in Spanish. Are you ready for it? No. <laughs> Whew, life-changing. We need to love people. We need to be there for people. But if you're in relationship with people and it's draining and it's one-sided, find new friends. That doesn't mean you can't be there for people. That doesn't mean you can't help people. But if your friends, if your core group of people are not pushing you to be a better version of yourself, they are draining you. That is not love. That's parasitic. It is love's imposter. We got to think about that. And if you're that friend, fix it. Like, I'm going to say this because I can. (laughs) So often we come to church and we get our little donut and our little coffee and we find our little seat and we get what we're going to get and then we'll let the church know if there's something we need. Hey, I need dot, dot, dot. We're struggling with dot, 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 dot. But have we ever, that's, that's love, but is there love with respect? Because love with respect would be like, hey, what can I do to serve? I've been here for a while. Is there somebody, I've raised my kids. Is there a young mom maybe that I could mentor? Is there a place I can get involved? Well, I disagree because I go to all the Bible studies. Great. Just feeding yourself. Love with respect says, God, thank you for all that you're giving me. What can I give back? How can I serve someone else? I'm not telling you you have to start a life group, but I will tell you, look to the person left and right, get to know them and see if there's a way you can invest in their life. This is not about whoever's up here. It's about you and us doing this together. We're called. You have, let me tell you, you have a call on your life and it is not suck air till you die. If you have a relationship with Jesus, do something with that. You, if you're in a sport, if you're in a profession, use that for the glory of God. Do something with that. What does it look like when there's a marriage with love and no respect? Abuse. I never hit her. I never hit him. Okay, so maybe it's not physical, but what about emotional? Verbal, mental. With love's imposter, it comes down to me. What are you going to do for me? What am I going to get out of this? Look, when I married you, I thought it was going to look like dot, 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 and it doesn't, and it's not doing it for me. Are you following me? We make it about ourselves, and darling, I love you enough to tell you it ain't about you. 
was never about you. Well, I thought marriage was going to look different. Welcome to the world. We all did. We got to stop watching Nicholas Sparks movies, man. That's not real. It's effort. And I'm going to tell you, I don't care. Your best friend could be going through the worst divorce of her life, his life. There's two sides. There's always two sides. And I believe one of the biggest causes in divorce, infidelity, no, money, no, it all, that's, that's all rooted from the main thing, love without respect, selfish behavior. You're not going to cheat on somebody that you respect. Well, I love her. No, you don't. I love him. No, you don't, because you didn't do, you wouldn't have done that. Well, I just couldn't control myself. Are you an animal? Well, that's really rude. I'm sorry. Do you need a tissue? We've got some down here at the altar for you. I'm sorry. Well, I I just, they're not fulfilling my needs. Well, guess what, darling? God is the fulfiller of your needs, not them. Not her, not him. He doesn't complete you, Jesus does. And when you let Jesus complete you, sweetheart, you can be the wife that he needs and he'll be the husband that you need. Like, that's free, it wasn't in my notes, but there you go. All right. True love, so I've been listening to several different Messianic Jewish preachers, or rabbis, sorry, not preachers, rabbis, and Messianic means they are followers of Jesus, but they're Jewish. So they, they went all the way to Malachi, and then they're like, yep, I believe Jesus is the Son of God, and they bounced on over into the New Testament. It's a wonderful thing. And I've listened to a couple that are non-Messianic, that are just Jewish rabbis, because their understanding of the Torah, of the Old Testament, is so profound. And it's been super fascinating to me. And I'm hearing all these different perspectives, and I'm just like, wow, this is awesome. But one of them said something so beautiful. His name is Marty Solomon. He says, true love always preserves the identity of both parties involved. When God, get this, this will change your life. When God wrote the Ten Commandments, it wasn't, I need you to do these ten things. He said, I will do what I will do. Then you will do what you will do. And together we will. It was always about we. Always about we. True love is always about we. So back to the Ten Commandments. I told you that there's several different Jewish Scholars that believe that they are like wedding vows. So I've looked at them. Some of them are like way over my head because I told you there's layers and all this stuff. But I looked at them and I've I've broken it down in Lone Star Cowboy Church Talk. Like we're going to understand this together. If we look at the Ten Commandments as wedding vows, this is what they look like. Are you ready? Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Wedding vow. I'm your husband. It's me. You may have been married before. You may have dated half of Texas. But if you're choosing me, it's me. It's me only. Are we clear? God's saying, I am your husband. I am the leader. I am your God. You will have no other gods before me. There's not, this is not an open marriage. I don't care how modern you are. God is calling us to recognize he's the one. Number two, you shall make no idols. As a, as a vow, it is have no other lovers. Don't let anything draw your heart away from me. If it's me, don't let anything consume what's for me. 
Don't get distracted by things and you begin to worship your job and you begin to worship your kids and you begin to worship your family and you begin to worship your church. Are you hearing me? Well, I just get so much from church. Man, Jesus wants to meet you where you're at at home. He wants to meet you in your car ride. He wants to meet you in the brokenness in the morning when you don't know how to handle it. Like, come to church. You need the church, but this is not your God. This is a place of fellowship where we come together. And if this is the only time you eat, you're starving. He says, have no idols. Have nothing before me. Come to me. Let me fill you. Don't let anything draw your heart away from me. Number three, you shall not take the Lord... The name of the Lord your God in vain. See, I grew up thinking that meant you just didn't cuss with God's name. Like, you just didn't. And you shouldn't. Okay, I'm not saying that's not what it means. But there's more to it. Because if it's written like a wedding vow, this is what it says. Treat me with respect and do not disrespect my name. See, when I married Phil, I became Amber Noblet. And being married to Phil, I no longer just represented myself. I now, because I had his name, represented him. Are you following me? And when we had children, Phil told our kids when they were younger, you go out there, you're going to represent God, and you're going to represent our family. Don't forget that. He wasn't saying, I don't have your back if you fail. It's remember who you represent. See, it's not just about, I don't want to take God's name in vain. It's about poor representation of God's name. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Let's take it a little step further. I just really feel like what the Lord wants you to do. Hold up. Does God want, really say that or are you manipulating somebody for control? When we say God and include God into something that he's not included in, we are taking his name in vain. Well, I feel like God, hold up, does it line up with scripture? Is this God or is this you? Like that makes some of us uncomfortable. Good. We've got to stop taking God's name in vain. Super spiritualizing everything. Well, I just really feel what the Lord wants. Is he wants me to do that and not you. Oh, really? Okay. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. So how is that? Again, it's simple. Do not disrespect my name. Don't disrespect me. This is our name. You represent me now. We're a family. Number four, keep the Sabbath day holy. Keep a date night set aside for you and me. You give, you give, you give, you work, the kids, this, this, this. Are you taking time to rest with me? Are you taking time, not on your phone. Are you taking time with God? How many marriages end because the kids are raised and now they have nothing in common? Because they didn't take time to invest in what they committed to. Honor your father and mother. It's like, well, how does that work? Let me say it real quick, very simply for you. You may have the absolute worst relationship in the world with your parents. Your dad may have abandoned you. Your mom may be toxic. I am not saying let down boundaries and just let it happen. But honoring your father and mother, I have more people, this is the number one question students ask me all the time and young adults ask me, how do I honor my parents that I can't stand or I don't have a relationship with. It's simple. And what this means, if you're hearing this, like get this, this will change your life. You could say, I, I fight hating my parents, okay? If you're hearing what I'm saying, your mom and dad did one thing right. 
If they did nothing but one, they did one thing right. It takes a man and a woman to make you. And they could have killed you, but they didn't. Our country is leading in abortions right now. And you may have the most toxic situation with your birth parents, but I will tell you something, they did something right. And why did they do that? Because something inside of them believed that your life mattered. Even if they did everything else wrong, let's just camp on that. If your life mattered enough to bring you into this world, and we believe that God created you in his image, then how do you honor your parents? Simple. You go, obviously my life matters enough. That if the rest of the world turns their back on me and God is enough and he has me by honoring my mom and dad, I'm, I'm going to do the very best I can to be the best version of myself. They may not, y'all got to get this. They may not ever get that. They may not ever tell you, hey, baby, I'm so proud of who you've become. You may be a grown man and long for your dad to say, I'm proud of you. And you may never get that, but you need to understand something. You being who God called you to be, me being who God called me to be, it's the best way we can honor our parents. Because we're honoring our life. We're honoring the gift that God's given us. So how does that look in a wedding vow? Trust that my provision for you is enough. If God really made you, and you were, it didn't matter if you were part of the system or you had the very best parents in the world, if God really made you, and he has you here, he's enough. His provision is enough. He's enough. There's going to come a day where we all stand before God. And I believe that there's going to be, I don't believe in illegitimate children. I don't. I believe there's illegitimate parents. They got the kid here and didn't do the right thing. God will deal with them. But what an honor and a privilege that no matter what life tried to throw at you, to be able to stand before God and said, I did the very best with what you gave me. I didn't have it all figured out. I didn't always have the support system, but I had you. You were enough. I honored my parents by honoring the life I have that they gave me, you gave me. You're my provision. Next. You shall not murder. You're like, your husband? <laughs> yeah, don't do that. But like I said earlier, if there is a fabric piece of God in all of us, if all of us are created in the image of God, people that are different than you, do not hurt what I've created. There it is. Do not hurt what I've created. And hear me, including yourself. If you're in here right now and you don't believe that your life is worth living, if you're watching online and you don't believe that your life is worth living, and this word is true, then your life matters God has a purpose for you. Don't you dare hurt what he's purposed and fabric to get here. Do you know how many kids have been thrown away because they didn't get here? You're here and it's not just to suck air. Push through whatever's going on. And if you can't do it by yourself, find somebody to do it with you. But by all means, live. Live. And don't hurt what God created. You should not commit adultery. I understand there's kids in here. I'll just tell you how it is. Sex was not created by two angels in the back room when God wasn't looking. It wasn't. Your sexuality is a gift from God. But it's meant to be within the confines of marriage. And when it's not, it opens doors that were not meant to be open. God's not saying not to enjoy your sexuality. He says enjoy it within the boundaries that I'm asking you to enjoy it in. Protect that. You shall not steal. If I'm your God, I'm your provision. 
Don't take what's not yours. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Tell the truth about others and yourself. Don't do anything that will cause people to question you or my, your God's loyalty. I'm honest. I am just. My word says so is what God says. When we bear false witness, we're saying, in, in, in poor representation, we are poorly representing our Heavenly Father. And then number 10, you shall not covet. And that's a hard one for all of us because we're constantly looking at what everybody else has. And God says, be satisfied with the life that you and I have. See, I don't know about you, but when you start studying the Ten Commandments like that, and it's not just these rules that you got to skip over, and you start realizing that it was less about rules and more about love, and it was like you can grow in this. It changes everything. Now, I was telling a good friend of mine who was in my office the other day, and we were talking, and I told her a story about when I was a kid. Uh, my, my dad and mom were bivocational. My dad pastored, and he also had a job. Um, we had a little church. And... We lived in the church parsonage. If you don't know what a church parsonage is, it's the house on the church property, and that means people can come over whenever they want. It's awesome, not really. <laughs> Pastor, do you have sugar? So does Kroger. <laughs> hey, glad you're here. No, I'm just kidding. Um, my dad's, the company my dad worked for went bankrupt. So everybody lost their jobs, and all the money that they were owed, they did not get. So we're living in the church parsonage. And I'll never forget this because we're in the middle of revival. I felt like we did revivals all the time. And I grew up where we'd have revivals. For, it felt like nine years straight. I'm like, good Lord. And there were always these people that were like, tell us we're going to hell. And so we'd get saved every night. And then they're like, God told me to stay longer. And it's like, ah, you're taking God's name in vain. You need to go. Like, move on. But anyway, as a kid, you're like, I've been in revival every night for the last month. I will never forget this. We get home. And the way our house was on the, the church, it backed up against the front of the church. So we come around to the front, and the front porch was covered with groceries. I, I was eight. I had no idea that we were struggling. I had no idea we were poor. I knew that when we went to the grocery store, because my mom was a health freak, and I would ask for certain cereals, she would say, no, we like to eat cardboard with milk, you know. Like, we're going to eat this. I'm like, it's awful. It, like, cuts you. Like, it's a horrible... And my favorite cereal was tricks. Mom, can I have tricks? You don't need that. So we're bringing all these groceries into the house. And I stuck my hand down in a brown paper bag. Remember when that's all they had was brown paper bags? Stuck my hand down in this brown paper bag, and I pull out this box of tricks. And I was like, yes! And my mom's tears now are flowing hard. And I'm thinking, she is so upset because she doesn't want us to eat tricks that bad. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Mom. We'll just have a little bowl. Just a little bowl. She's like, it's okay. Y'all can have some. So my sister and I are sitting in the kitchen floor with like big old bowls of cereal. Like we are living our best life. <laughs> like Jesus could have come back and we were like, tricks, man. Look, tricks. 
And I sat there and I remember, vividly, I remember what I was wearing and everything. Mom and dad loading the pantry and the refrigerator and the freezer with all this food. And mom crying. And me eating tricks. So I tell my friend this story because personally, our family, we're going through something very, very trying right now. And it's easy when you're on the other side of the trying to be like, God is faithful. He's good. He shows up. But when you're in the middle of it and you're not seeing anything, it's hard. It's easy to say, trust God's faithfulness. It's hard to be in it and needing to trust his faithfulness and not trusting his faithfulness. Are you following me? So I'm telling her this story about my childhood. And I come in the other day in my office and there's this beautiful package. Gifts are my love language. I get super excited. It didn't matter if it's like a dead hamster. I'm like, you wrapped it. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for thinking of me. And I open this beautiful package. And I ugly cried. My admin was sitting in the office and she's like, do you need a moment? Do you need a bowl? Like, what are we doing here? Because it wasn't until later in life that I realized that not only does God take care of us, because he's a God, y'all get this, he's a God of we, not a God of I, but a God of we. He wants you to do your part. He's going to do his part. And even a little eight-year-old girl that doesn't have a clue, he cares about the little things that she cares about. He provided our needs, but he also provided our wants. There's not a day that I'm in the grocery store, that I don't pass the, the cereal aisle, and if tricks catches my eye, I tear up. Please do not go buy me tricks. I'm going to go ahead and preface that. <laughs> Lord, please don't. She likes tricks, honey. We're going to the grocery store right now. No. <laughs> please don't. But this serves as a reminder of the God of we. The God of there, the God of in the moment, the God of you may not see what's happening with your finances. You may not know what's going to happen with your marriage. You may not know what's going to happen with your children. But if he is your God and you've signed up for this and you're representing him and he's representing you, you may not see it now, but he's got you and he's going to take care of you. And I would love to say that the situation that we're going through, it's all been taken care of and it's wonderful and it's not yet. But even if the right thing doesn't happen, God will do the right thing. Does that make sense? Yes. Not because I'm a, I'm a next-gen pastor, because I'm his child. Just like you. Bow your heads with me all across this room. I want you to understand there's nothing about anything that you face that is too much for God. There's nothing about anything that you see and do that is outside of his ability to move in. You study out everything with the Jewish people in the Old Testament. They messed up all the time and God kept showing up. He's going to keep showing up for you. As a matter of fact, he's never left. He's right there. And maybe you just need to be reminded that he's good and he's faithful and he's present and he's yours and he doesn't share. This is an exclusive relationship with you and him. 
Or maybe you just needed to know that he's a God of we. Sometimes I think we think that our problems are so minute compared to the rest of the world that it's not a big deal. And I want you to know it matters to you. It matters to God. For you mamas and daddies who are raising kids and trusting God and you've seen your kids put in the work and you wonder why things aren't panning out the way you thought they were going to pan out. He's a God of we. He's not let your kids go. For the mamas and daddies whose kids have walked away from you and walked away from him, he's not let go. For the mamas and daddies whose kids are still living at home and you don't know how you're going to make it through tomorrow because they are driving you crazy. He is present. He's not going to let you go. And if you can look back, you can see not only does he provide. There are moments of tricks all throughout our life. He cares about the sprinkles. He cares about the moments. He cares about the things that you think no one else notices. Our God is a God of detail because he's a God of we. So I'm going to ask you a question. We ask this every week, and I think it's so important. But if you're in here right now and you can say that you don't have a relationship with God. You have not made him the number one in your life. You have not committed fully to being his bride, his child. And you know, because you're like, I've dabbled here and I've dabbled there, but you're ready to make this an exclusive relationship. If that's you, I want to pray with you. Can you raise your hand? If you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, if there's anybody in here that you need to make that declaration today, I want to pray with you. Anybody at all? I've got one hand right there. Awesome. Anybody else? If you raised your hand, I can't see back there. I just saw the hand. Can you come up here? I would love to pray with you. Yeah, y'all give him a hand. That's so awesome. What's your name? Blake. Blake. I'm Amber. Nice to meet you. So, Blake. We're gonna, this, is, this is your family right now. Say hi, Blake. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to pray. And this is not a magical prayer, but we're just gonna, the Bible says that if you believe with your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, he'll forgive you of your sins. And so then the rules we read just become a relationship code. He's got you. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're going through, but he's we now. So every, from the moment you walk out these doors, he goes with you. He's with you. Lean on him. Read this. Seek him and let him lead you, okay? But we're going to pray. We're going to all pray together because this is not just you. This is us. Because not only is it you and God, but look at me. You don't have to do this by yourself. That's why we have this church, okay? So let's pray. Will y'all repeat after me? Pray with me, okay? Like, dear Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth and dying on the cross for my sins. Forgive me, God. For I'm a sinner, and I need you. Cleanse my heart. Cleanse my mind. And thank you, Jesus, that from this day forward, my life belongs to you. Give me a passion for your word and for the call on my life. And help me to stay in fellowship with other believers. Thank you, Jesus that my life matters 
and it belongs to you. In your precious name. Amen. Amen. They want to pray with you over there? Will y'all stand with me, please? I'm going to ask everybody else a question, too, because let's just be honest. I feel like I'm super good at loving people. I'm not always real great at seeing the value that I need to see. How many of y'all can be honest that sometimes we all struggle with that? We do. You're like, no, not me. Really get out there and drive on 105. Let somebody cut you off. How you doing? (laughs) Let's pray. Bow your heads with me all across this room. Jesus, we just come to you and we thank you for another amazing day. Lord, we thank you that your word is not just about you and your expectations of us. But it's also the commitment that you're making to us as we make a commitment to you. And God, I pray that we first and foremost love, but we do it with respect. God, help us to see others through your eyes. Help us to recognize that you've got us here for such a time as this. And Lord, when people upset us, when people hurt us, when people fail us, remind us that you never will. And we're called to represent you. God, give us a heart of mercy, a heart of compassion. Help us, Jesus, to remember whose name we're carrying. And God, help us to remember that even though in the moments that we've yet to see what is around the corner, you do and you have it in your hands. Thank you, God, for tricks moments. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Thank you that you've never failed us and you're not going to start now. We love you and we respect you. We just give you today. Thank you for giving it to us. In your precious name, amen. Hey, we got prayer team down here. Y'all need to pray with somebody. Come on down. We love you. Happy Valentine's Day. You're dismissed.